This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. Bud said to me, if you're going to get into this business, you need to realize, you know, the speaking business, your job isn't doing the speech, it's getting the speech. In every business, you think, you know, we're in the manufacturing business. Well, you may be in the manufacturing business, but if you don't have customers buying whatever it is you manufacture, you're not in business. And just saying, you're in the baseball business. If you don't fill those stands with fans, boy, I should be a poet. If you don't fill those stands with fans, you know, you're not going to be around too long. No. So the job isn't playing baseball, it's selling the whole package. So mm -hmm. uh, that was good advice. The job isn't doing the speech, it's getting the speech. The one and only Shep hiking with us, the expert when it comes to customer service, amazing books like The Call to the Customer, The Amazement Revolution, and Amaze Every Customer Every Time. Shep, I feel like you've worked with almost every company in the world, but if you haven't, if you're a company you haven't worked with almost. Shep. <laughs> yes, if you haven't, you need to work with him because he knows what he's talking about when it comes to customer service. So this is gonna be an interesting business done differently where we just dive into this customer service and why companies are doing it differently. Shep, I wanna dive right in into story of my life. I feel like very few people dedicate their life to one thing, but you've spent your whole life focused on customer service. My question is why? And, and really it's been, when you say your whole life, you may be my whole business life, but I'll tell you, I think most of my life really has been. When I was 12 years old, I started my first business. It was a birthday party magic show business. And I, uh, came home and my mom said, what are you gonna do after dinner? Uh, I thought the correct answer would be to go do homework, but no, it was to go write a thank you note. And that was my first lesson in customer service. And by the way, I know I mentioned this to you before we started, this is not my usual voice. This is my just playing around too much voice. I, I'm hoarse. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you sound like to one of your baseball games. I got so excited, I was screaming and screaming. Hey, it's okay. Know? I lose my voice almost after every game, so it, it's okay. So, so when you were 12, after the Magic Show, you wrote your first thank you letter. So then, what happened after that? So, and my dad said, "Hey, great idea. Next week, after they've received the letter, pick up the phone." call them, thank them again, and get feedback. Now, his idea for feedback was to find out if I did a good enough job to be able to do this little guy whose you know birthday it was. He had a sister to do his sister's birthday party, maybe get recommendations and get the parents' phone numbers who are the friends you know, in the back of the room. And what I found out is that feedback gave me two things. Number one, it validated. I did a good job and I could ask for more business. But number two, after asking for feedback, my dad said, hey, find out what tricks they like the most. Oh, that's a good idea. And after a while, and, and by the way, really in a short period of time, I was doing quite a few magic shows, almost uh, eight to 10 magic shows a week. And I would ask the parents, what tricks did you like? And eventually I realized there were tricks that they never mentioned. Well, guess what? Those tricks need to be pulled out. And I did put something better in. And it wasn't like I was always, I mean, obviously trying to be better and better and better. But my goal was to get rid of anything that nobody noticed or didn't notice, excuse me, get rid of what they didn't notice. So if maybe, you know, out of 10 parents, only a couple of them might mention this one trick. Well, at least they noticed that. So that means it stayed in. It was worthy. What a great lesson for a 12, 13, 14 year old <laughs> kid to have. And 
unbeknownst to me, when I decided to get into my business, which is right after college, um, I started researching different business books and I found that customer service is what I loved more than anything. I was attracted to it, obviously, because of what I'd grown up with. And next thing you know, I'm speaking to great companies about how to deliver amazing customer service. Now, what fascinated you so much about customer service? Because there's very few people that have spent so much time learning, and especially starting as a magician. What fascinated you about it? Well, I think part of it is uh, there's no doubt, I think, anybody, if you give them the right training, and for the most part, they, they you know, I, I shouldn't say anybody. There are some people that just probably will never be good at it. It's their attitudes. It's their personalities. And they're probably good at other things. Um, but for me, I'm an, an extrovert. I'm on the front line. I don't mind being it, uh, on the front line. I love sales. And since I was a kid, that's been my personality. And you combine that with the passion for wanting to please people. And when you do all these um, Myers-Briggs or, you know, uh, the, the different uh, disc profiles, you know, the, the, these assessments they have for, for personalities in your business life, I always fall into that, you know, hey, I'm an extrovert, but I also want to really please people. And I've always been that way. And that's part of what, um, you know, again, anybody can do service for the most part. But when you take it to, you know, the person who's really got the passion, you know, they can step it up a notch. That's what we're good at. You know, just the other day, we were talking about crises in call centers and how sometimes these call center and support center people are overworked. And I was on a panel and I said, you know, I don't accept that excuse that they're overworked, that they're stressed out, that at the end of the day they need to stop. There are people that you can hire that absolutely thrive on the stress and chaos that customers have with the sole purpose of making it right. And they love doing it, and they love the, the person that starts out to be the enemy and ends up you know, loving them when they're finished. That's what they, they live for. And you can find people, I'm probably that guy. You know, they've, they've gotta have resilience and they've gotta have patience, but then they also have that desire to take care of people. Now, I want to I want to dive into that because you know you talk about these people that love you know being on the calls. You know, how do you how do you find working with the other companies? How do you find those people? Well, that's that's important to do. It's in the hiring process, and in the hiring process, you you ask the right questions, and it's not just about the interview. You really do have to understand what the behavioral style is about. Very inexpensive resources out there where you can put people through a short assessment to determine whether or not they have the behavioral style that it takes to be on that front line, to deal with that stress. And some of these assessments are very specific about what the roles will be. And you can quickly you know, understand, okay, that person's gonna be great most of the time, but when it comes to the crunch time, they're probably not gonna make it. You know, So we know, staff them at the right time, bring others to fill in. So uh, one of the things I love, I, I wrote in, in the book, uh, The Amazement uh, Revolution, there were seven specific areas. One of them was hiring. Now, I'm not a hiring expert, but what I did is I went around and asked some of the great companies that I was working with, what do you do in the hiring process to get great people? And for example, uh, Hy-Vee, which is a grocery store chain out of the Midwest, one of the things they said is when we are looking for somebody outside of the very entry level position, we asked them to come to the store a little bit early prior to their interview, walk around, and in the interview, we want that uh, potential employee to make suggestions on what they see could be improved. And that's a great way of getting insight. Mm -hmm. um, one of the uh, uh, hair cutting chains, you know, like the Great Clips yeah. or Regions, yep. you know, uh, those 
um, one, there's a great question. My friend Mel Kleiman gave me this one for the book. He said, you know, you want to find out how good people are. So if you're going to hire a stylist, one of the most important things that a stylist brings beyond their ability to a salon where they cut hair is their own shears. And all you need to do is say, hey, what kind of shears do you have and how much were they? Because somebody that has a $50 set of shears versus the $200 set, you know one person's probably a little bit more serious than the other about taking care of that's their customer. So you see, you, you, that's awesome because you're basically just seeing how much they care. You know, if they have yeah. the tools, if they give suggestions. Now, th th that's brilliant. And I, I still want to go back into your story, but I actually, you mentioned the amazement revolution and the seven strategies. Two stuck out for me so much. And I'd love for you to share some stories with these. They have serious fun, which I love that we're oh, yeah. serious mm -hmm. and fun together. Can you, you know, share, because fun is huge what we do at the ballpark. It's a huge part of our experience. What have you seen with companies that maybe aren't normally that fun? What have you seen? Well, and so serious fun is fun is not about ha ha, let's have a party, let's go crazy. And in your case, because of the type of, of business you're in with the sports business and the entertainment business, you do need to, to amplify the, the fun factor from the standpoint of really truly what fun stands for. But fun in the book is an acronym, F-U-N. F stands for fulfillment, uh, are people enjoying what they do? U is for uniqueness. Uh, do we exploit the unique talents of the person uh, that we're hiring? And N stands for next. Are they excited about what's next for the company? And it could be, I love working here so much, I'm just excited about the next day. So uh, the lead case study in that book is uh, Brian Keeley at Baptist Health South, which is a medical uh, health you know, chain, uh, hospital chain down in southern Florida. Yep. And Brian said, uh, I want to create an environment so great for my employees that uh, they love working and we become destination employment opportunity, meaning when they come to work there, they never leave <laughs> until it's time for them to leave, you know, when, when they retire. And he felt that if he can engage employees at that level and make them fulfilled, exploit them for their unique talents and get them excited about what's next, um, that they will better take care of patients and their family members. And therefore, those people – and by the way, it's uh, medical hospitals, very competitive these days, mm -hmm. You know, trying to get patients to come to this hospital versus that. And I understand. You treat the people right. Where do they want to come back? where they're treated best. Yep. So that's what Brian was trying to create. And he's a brilliant guy. So, and, and by the way, he didn't come up with, you know, uh, the fun acronym <laughs> I did based on some of the things that him and others were saying. But there's a great example. And by the way, unique talent. Boy, I've never seen a guy jumping around in a yellow banana suit like you, okay? <laughs> or, or the, uh, you know, yellow tuxedo. By the way, that crazy, uh, and I you own four or five of those, is that right? I'm up to six now. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. And uh, but anyway, you know, you've got a unique talent. You're very outgoing. You're probably not going to take somebody that came out of college and got an accounting degree to dress up in that yellow tuxedo mm -hmm. and go crazy with the fans. Mm -hmm. So there. But that may be the exact person you need to manage the back office. So yeah. everybody has their strengths and we need to play to those strengths. Obviously, your strength is there. So if I take somebody with your outgoing personality and I want you to be, you know, fulfilled and, you know, exploit you for your unique talents and get excited about what's next, I probably won't do that if I put you in the back office and don't ever let you talk to people. <laughs> and, and, and the thing, Shepard, I mean, that actually is fun. If you're fulfilled, you're using your unique talent and you're excited, you're having fun. 
I mean, yeah, not, exactly, yeah. exactly. I know people that love numbers. Uh, there was a guy I worked with. His his name was Paul, and he used to, you know, we play. Let's play cops and robbers. You know, and I joked about this. Paul, you know, what do you which do you want to be, the cop or the robber? He goes, No, no, I just want to be the accountant. Let's go have fun. You, know? <laughs> you find your unique role. Hey, all right, so I love that one. The other one, really, which I think most companies really struggle with is the memorable after experience. Oh yeah, very can, important. Can, can you share a, a story of a company that you've seen really nail that? So one of the, it's funny, I just talked to the gentleman just the other night, had dinner with him, Brian and Lord. Brian is one of the agents that books me to speak all over the world uh, when he, you know, with these different clients. And what he did is he found out one of his clients loved baseball. And one of the reasons he and I talked about it is because the baseball player that he enjoyed and was his idol, I guess, or enjoyed you know, the most was a St. Louis Cardinal. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And the baseball player was Lou Brock. So he went on eBay and he bought a Lou Brock signed baseball in a little baseball case. And he gave it to the client as a thank you after the engagement was booked. You know, the client spends a lot of money on a speaker and Brian did a great job finding the right speaker and sent him a little thank you note with this memento and said, you know, you mentioned that you loved Lou Brock. I saw this. I thought of you. I want you to have this. Uh, and by the way, there was no mention uh, or no uh, logo of Premier Speakers Bureau yep. anywhere on that gift. It was truly a gift. That gift today is sitting on his client's bookshelf. And every time he looks over there, the client remembers that Brian Lord from Premier Speakers Bureau gave him that. Didn't need a load. What an after experience. And by the way, the baseball, uh, whether it was real or not, I don't know. You know, it was a real autograph. Let's assume it was. He said it was very ex inexpensive. It was like $20. Yeah. And, so it's, you know, it's easy. It's easy if yeah. you think. If you, but, but very few people do it. So my question is, like, if you have very few clients, it's a lot easier because you can say I have 20 right. clients, 30 clients. But if you have, you know, I think of a, uh, what we're doing are companies that do hundreds of thousands of people or transactions. How can you give that after experience? Are there any examples of businesses you've seen really nail it in that sense? Sure. It's real simple. I mean, let's look at Amazon for just a moment. Now, their after experience isn't necessarily, um, you know, making you feel good with a thank you note or a gift. And by the way, a simple thank you note is very, very powerful. Yep. You know, I go to Nordstrom and I met uh, one of their uh, I don't know what they call them, designer salespeople who walk around with you and get to know you. And after my first time, I receive a little thank you note from her, and I go, wow, this is pretty impressive. Now, once again, small number of people. Mm -hmm. But Amazon, what they do is the moment you place your order, you get an email confirming your order. A, a few hours later, you get an email that the order was shipped. Yeah, That's part of the after experience, and that confirmation validates your comfort level and why you want to do business with them. Now, I personally think if there's a way – to incorporate that positive feeling that you get from like a thank you or, or even appreciation. So I, I cannot remember the name of the company. I wrote about them, gosh, probably about three or four years ago, but it was um, a company that uh, they you, you uh, had disc recordings, you know, like uh, CDs. Okay. And I think it was called CD Baby. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Derek, Derek, Derek Sivers, yes. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what it was. And uh, I received a thank you note or an email after my purchase, and it said, this is so-and-so, the digital whatever at CD Baby, meaning it wasn't a real person and they weren't trying to hide the fact. <laughs> and uh, they were very funny about, hey, I just wanna say thank you, and if you have any problems, you let me know, I'll make sure it gets to the right person, and on and on. And I thought, 
That is very clever. It was just an automated digital email, and it worked. You know, that's we actually uh, we'll put show notes to that. But we use that in coming up with ours. When someone buys a ticket from us, congrats! You just made the best decision of your day. Right now, we grabbed your tickets. <laughs> we ran around the stadium. We're doing Gatorade showers over each other. Now your tickets are left in maximum security in our vault. They're ready for you to come and go bananas. And it was it was copied from him. And I, I you know, it was utilized. And I think very few people do that. But my question, Shep, too, is like, you know. It's still, they, they buy, and it sounds like it's almost just the repeated confirmation, and then if you can make it fun, that's a win, because I'll share this with, with the guests. You reached out three or four times to confirm, share that your voice wasn't great. I mean, that's unbelievable, and it wasn't crazily funny. It was just being on your game, and you know, I wonder if companies can, can do both. You know, they can actually be on their game, re- reach out, but also add some fun things that can so, take And what, what, what you're talking about is detail. And and I, I want to talk about that, too. The uh, but let's get back to that note that you send out. Here's a, an important piece of this. Um, if you if you have a client or a customer that does a second transaction and a third and a fourth, you don't want to send the same email out every single time. So it's real simple and it's all done automatically and digitally. Uh, just have a second, third and fourth version of that or a fifth version or a 10th version. Um, there is a company. And again, I, I, I write about so many different companies. Uh, there's a company online. Uh, they sell shorts. Um, gosh, what is the name of their company? Anyway, what they do is they put a thank you gift in every single order and they have 25 different thank you gifts that go in order. And by the way, if you order from them more than 25 times, then they, they go to a whole nother level uh, with you. What are some but of the types just, of gifts? What are some of the things they put in there? Little things, tiny little things. Like here's a luggage tag, okay. no, a plastic luggage tag. Uh, you know, here's a, a, a pen with a logo on it or something. I don't know, just little little things. And if you, the more you order, they get a little bit nicer. Um, <laughs> so they might throw a pair of socks in there, you know, uh, as you get older. But I remember looking at all these gifts. I, um, I, boy, I'm so close to it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, they sell shorts and uh, that's one of the things they're famous for shorts on the beach. Um, I'm thinking, what are the, anyway, it doesn't matter, yeah, but, um, uh, you know, to your point, uh, I think that the detail is so important and, and some people have an eye or an ear or a knack for that detail mm-hmm. and others, they don't get it. They don't understand. You know, I'm really good as a, you know, I go to so many speeches and events uh, every year, and if you accumulate that over all the years that I've been doing this, uh, boy, I've been to thousands of events. Well, I know when I walk in a room that somebody's missed the details almost immediately, yep. and nobody can spot it other than me uh, because I've been there so many times. It's just part of what we do, and there's lots of people that are in tune with those details, yeah, and I'm sure you as a business owner, you and your wife, you're very in tune with the details. Well, it's what it's what matters most. I mean, it's the little things that people remember more than anything, and they share it. And that's why I'm so intrigued because you've worked with so many companies. But I mean, this is a perfect segment, chef, uh, uh, segue into the culture club, which you know it's about creating that amazing customer service culture. And I'm intrigued on what you know. You obviously wrote a great book um, about Ace Hardware, but either them or there are other companies that you've just seen this culture all the way through. It's 100% all about service. Sure, and, and that book uh, that you're referring to, Amaze Every Customer Every Time, we used, it wasn't so much it was about Ace Hardware, but I wanted to find a role model that everybody recognized but wasn't written about so much like, you know, uh, Zappos and Amazon and, 
you know, and I love those companies and the Ritz Carlton, they're all, I think, uh, the rock stars and they get all of the attention. Uh, the problem is, uh, there's companies like Ace Hardware and here's a funny story. So I, I was about ready to write the book on someone else and the company's PR agency called and said, we're about ready to be brought in a major lawsuit against everybody in our entire industry. We're all going to get nailed with this. So we can't do the book right now. Bummer. What am I going to do? That day I had lunch with the executive team at Ace Hardware. Everybody from the chairman, CEO, we were doing an event that afternoon. I was going to speak at it. And I told them about this and they go, why don't you write about us? <laughs> and I go, well, you know, when I walk down the street, if I were to say, can you give me, you know, top 10 rock stars in customer service, do you think somebody would say Ace Hardware? And I know we are great at what we do, but are they that recognizable? And uh, I'll never forget, one of the executives said, yes, they would, and I'll prove it. And he showed me a Business Week article that listed the top 25 brands in customer service, and Ace Hardware was number 10. Number 11, by the way, was the Ritz-Carlton. Oh, which, wow. And I'll say, you beat the Ritz-Carlton, yay! And I love the Ritz-Carlton. So. Um, you know, and it is cultural. Now, what's interesting at the Ritz, uh, it's a management company. Some sometimes they do own their own hotels. Many times they are managing somebody else's properties. But it's they've created this great culture, and they have this uh, I call it a mantra. It's their main statement. It's uh, they call it their credo. Uh, it's nine words long. We're uh, we're ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. And when you go to work at the Ritz, you understand that, and they train you to that, and they have lots of ways to constantly make you think about that. And the guest appreciates that that line. Ace Hardware has basically you know one word to describe them: helpful. They're the helpful hardware place. Helpful hardware place is really three words, I guess. But helpful is how they want to be recognized because that's what differentiates them from their competitors who are big box stores. Now, what's interesting is from a cultural aspect, there's uh, about 4,600, 4,700 stores owned by you know several thousand owners. Every store has its own different you know, owned by different people, it's gonna have its own personality, right? Well, more, and it's not that they're perfect. Nobody and no company is perfect, but they've managed that if you walk into an Ace Hardware store in St. Louis, Missouri, where I live, Savannah, Georgia, where you live, chances are we're gonna be greeted with a similar greeting. Hello, welcome to Ace, what can I help you find today? Mm -hmm. And that's one of their magic questions. And when you tell them what you're looking for, they don't just tell you to go to aisle number six. They walk you there and they ask you, well, what are you going to use this for? Tell me about the project. And then they start helping you along the way. Now, I walk into Home Depot or <laughs> Lowe's or one of the other big uh, box stores and I, you know, they greet me very friendly, by the way, very nice people. <laughs> and they say, uh, what can I help you find? And I show them or t ask them what I'm looking for. And they tell me it's an aisle six. There's lots of them. You can't miss it on the left side. Hey, thanks for coming in. You know, that's still great service. It's nice service. It's not helpful service. Mm -hmm. well, and they, that's the differentiator. So yeah, anyway, culturally, that's what they focused on. Uh, but a company needs to decide what their, what their vision is going to be. Uh, you recognize that you're in the entertainment business, not just the baseball team business. And I, I know that's not the right terminology for it. But, no, that's what you're right. but you, know, you figured it out. So your mantra and your service vision is wrapped around that direction and giving that fan experience. As a matter of fact, what is the name of your company? 
it's fans first entertainment. But but Shep, you, you said it perfectly. I think you nailed yeah. it right there. <laughs> well, There's your mantra. It's in your name. <laughs> well, again, what Ace did, and we got this from you. I mean, they simplify it. I mean, if we have someone come to our company, going to be a part-time employee at one of our games, last minute, we say fans first. And we ask, what does that mean to them? They go, take care of people. I go, you got it, no matter what. So I think for businesses to take out of this from Ace, you simplify what the vision is. Is that what you've seen for these companies? 100%. And, and, and let's go back to the other book, uh, The Amazement Revolution. In the hiring uh, section, Nordstrom has a simple question they ask in the middle of their interview. Uh, they ask, hey, what does customer service mean to you? Mm-hmm. Give me a definition. And there's 100 right definitions, yeah. probably more than 100. There's also some wrong ones, and they can end that interview really quickly when they realize the person doesn't even understand what customer service is. Wow. So, Brilliant. you know, when you ask somebody, what does fans first mean? And they say, take care of people. Great. All right. That's that's almost putting, you know, a mirror under their nose and it fogging up because that, <laughs> it's hard not to get that answer right. Yeah, 100%. But everything you do and every piece of training you do needs to point toward fans first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's so great for businesses. So if people don't understand your vision and your mission, you got to simplify it and make it about the customer. So, I, I, Shep, we're going to go to our first kind of game segment. I think this is going to be fun. Never done it with anyone. It is the service showdown. So I okay, I, I'm ready. I feel I'm like hold on. I feel like an amateur going against Tyson during his heyday here. But we're going to go basically back and forth. I'm going to name an industry. All right, and you got to right. you got to say how you would give amazing customer service with that industry. So, okay. this and, will then, be interesting. and then you'll come back to me with anyone that you want. And we're just going to see what happens. All right. No idea. Oh, so I get to give you an industry. Then. Correct. Correct. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start with one here. The porta john industry. So you've got those porta potties that are set up at events. That's a tough one to start with. How would you make that experience amazing? All right. Uh, first thing I would do is make sure there's enough. Second thing I would do is make sure there's somebody there keeping them clean and smelling as good as they could possibly smell. <laughs> but the, those are the first two things. And maybe as somebody uh, somebody there and that same person, as, as somebody's stepping out, they have uh, a towel for them, you know, a towelette, a moist towelette, so that they can wash their hands. Uh, I love there it. you go. Is that, is that what you're looking no, for? No, that, that's kind of perfect. The, the idea, so porta johns are always like, oh, I got to use the porta john And they do have some of those nice bathrooms, but what if they had those attendants going around? What if they painted up? They're not just that gross color. They're nicer. They have roses in them. You know, there's things that they don't think about that I think, wow, I can't wait to go in this porta john You know, that, that's why I want to give you that one, see what you work with. That was and good. by the way, be, before I give you mine, because I'm thinking about it while we're talking, <laughs> I, I think that what we just did is I said two or three, you said two or three, and it's real important that, you know, nobody should, should work in a silo and in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. If you can sit down with two or three people and say, hey, let's brainstorm. We're in the porta john business. What can we do to make this better for our customers? Um, Here's my idea. Does anybody have more? You know, you'll come up with more ideas working together. Um, How about um, the neon sign industry? (laughs) Wow. All right. No, that's good. And I'll show you kind of this is the behind the scenes, how we look at it. Whatever frustrates you about a business, we call I call this the mirror moment. That's the starting point. So the okay. way I would try to I I, the way I would try to process this is the neon sign. So I think about those at, at the bars, and they're just you know they make it seem old school. Not you're not you're not attracted to go into them. So I'm going to go a different route. I, I would actually <laughs> I would eliminate the neon signs because I, I I would say all right I would say what are the best signs that would create 
the most excitement to go in. So if you were going to do neon signs, you would have to look at something like the wow factor. Jeez, um, Chef, you got me going on this one because I've never thought I, about neon signs before. I know. I never thought about portage. <laughs> so I want right. to go back to you on this. What would you do? Well, I'm thinking, uh, uh, sure, the end user, the consumer, so to speak, gets to actually look at the neon sign. We're going to assume the neon sign's working, but I'm thinking, uh, how do I make it easy for my customer who's buying neon signs from me to buy from me, want to buy from me? Yeah. What do I do? Uh, you know, my, why are my signs different? Why is my service different? And yeah. I think that's important. Uh, so maybe I make the most artistic neon signs, yeah. but more than being artistic, you know, when you tell me you want a neon sign in your bar, in your restaurant, in your hotel or wherever, I show up on time. Uh, when we install it, we do it really cleanly. Uh, we've got a great crew for that. I don't, I don't, again, I'm just, I never thought I would say neon signs. I was just <laughs> thinking. It's the service showdown. That's that's why that's why it's different. No, but I think yeah, you, you almost just got to go on the process. See, I don't know how people even buy neon signs. So if they're buying it online, can you make the process really cool? Can you make it fun to how they buy? Yeah, yeah. And you know, eliminate friction. And I think yeah. you even used that word yeah. earlier yeah. in our conversation. You know, and that's I think no matter what industry you're in, just take a look. What's the friction point that customers go through? And by the way, when you start to look at friction points, this is what this is what Uber did. Uh, they figured out the friction point. They figured out, uh, boy, why are people, how can we beat the taxi cab industry? Well, number one, you if you're on a side street, you don't know when the next cab's going to drive by. So let's give you an app that not only tells you how far the cab's away, but let's tell you where they are, and you can actually watch them on a little map come and get you. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, you don't even have to have money with you. Yeah. You know, it's all prepaid, or your credit card information is already in there. You can walk out never having to reach your hand in your pocket. Another friction point. Outstanding. I want to do one more. Maybe we can do this back and forth because I sure. think that this is a business that's, that they don't – a lot of them that I've worked with haven't done a great job. A landscaper. Oh, man. A landscaper, that's an easy one. Uh, number one, um, landscapers need to always show up on time, have a good-looking crew, not necessarily attractive in the way they look, but I mean neat, tidy, always clean up when they're done. Uh, always let the customer know, hey, uh, we're going to come back tomorrow to finish this. Uh, you know, so I think part of it is uh, showing up on time, giving the customer information, uh, completing the project on time and under budget. So those are just a few things off the top of my head. No, um, that's great. You know, the trucks show up, by the way, the, the condition of the truck, the look of the truck. Uh, if it's really dirty and dingy, you got to wonder what kind of plants are they putting in my ground? Are they going to live? <laughs> Uh, you know, so there's uh, the image aspect of it as well. And uh, there you go. No, that's great. And also, you know, pictures before and after. Show up, take a picture, then send a picture afterwards. Oh, yeah. Be a part of the experience. You're like, wow, my lawn looks great. You know, it's just those little details. Uh, you know, leave something. Maybe leave some type of gift. Like, hey, loved working on your lawn with a little gift. You know, it's just so many landscapers don't do it well. And it seems like it could be an easy fix. So. Excellent. All right, I'll throw one back at you, oh, and I'm going right. to tie it. I'm going to tie it a little bit into this. No uh, neon signs, Shep. No neon signs. No neon signs. This one's <laughs> going to be easy. Uh, you're a plumber. <laughs> okay, you're a plumber. So again, you, you got you got. We're almost on the same thing. So what is Correct. the perception that people have of plumbers? So I would actually go the whole other route. I think crazy. I'd want my plumber in a white tuxedo, actually a, a, with white gloves. That's walking in. That's the most well-dressed upscale plumber you've ever seen. And he is giving upscale like concierge valet service 
to clean the concierge plumber. I yes. love it because <laughs> that'll create, you know, he'll give that perfect, you know, that the beautiful business card. You go the exact opposite. And I think this is how we think a lot. A lot of things ship. Whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. So make this the most upscale top of the line plumber ever you know when he does it he has this perfect little seat that he sits on there's no plumber's smiles out there you know everything is done strategic to create that great experience so that that's a start you have anything I just would be afraid that some of what's in the toilet might get on that white tuxedo <laughs> <laughs> yep they'd have to yeah there'd be there'd be a, a challenge there but no that's a good one all right Shep that was the first ever service showdown so I don't you've ever, have you ever done that on a podcast no yet? I haven't uh, I, I love this this was fun <laughs> all right that's <laughs> that's brand new now we're gonna go to another thing I want to go into debatable wrong because you even talked about the beginning how you almost did surveys as a 12 year old magician it was just feedback I want to get your input on surveys because I've had some challenges with this. What are your thoughts? Sure. And, and I love surveys because surveys help you know if the customer is happy or not. But uh, I'll tell you there's a big but here. And by the way, CSAT, NPS, Net Promoter Scores, these are all designed to understand did we do a good job and it doesn't, you know, would you be likely to come back? Would you be likely to recommend us? And I've learned that the best stat in the world doesn't come from that survey. It comes from customer behavior. Do they come back? And if so, how often? Mm -hmm. Yes. That's the stat you want to want to measure. And, and that's, not done uh, with, that's not done with the survey. That's just by you seeing what's happening. Right, right. Yes. And that's the difference, behavior versus intent. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a great experience working with Great Clips. And here we are talking about another hair salon type company. Okay. Um, the... Uh, uh, and it was really interesting. We talked about how they measure customer satisfaction. And and so they have um, 110 million customers a year. And think about that, 110 haircuts a year from 35 million customers. Now, the average customer gets their haircut every every six to eight weeks, okay? Maybe more often. Yeah. Uh, but think about that. If they have about 30-some-odd million customers and there's 110 haircuts, that means they're only coming in three times a year. Okay. Why not six times a year? Why not? Where are they going those other times? Aha. Now we've got an interesting number. We need to increase customer count. Uh, and if they increase customer count relative to the you know number of haircuts, they're going to start to say, okay, now we're, we're getting more. So it, the, the, I guess more frequency from that existing customer. Mm -hmm. Another way of putting it is wallet share in the investment world. How much of a client's investable assets are with are with a particular stockbroker? That stockbroker sounds like an antique <laughs> uh, type of uh, financial advisor. There you go. Yeah. Uh, or maybe with the bank. And so these financial advisors want to create such great trust and be so good at what they do that their clients are willing to invest 100% of their investable assets with them. They call that wallet share. Mm -hmm. uh, years years ago, um, Coca Cola had a great uh, annual report and on the annual report they talked about not wallet share not even market share and again market share that's where uh, you compete against Pepsi and other soft drink companies how much of the share of the you know beverage industry does one of these companies have and they said we're gonna go after body share body how much of the liquid in a human body is a coca-cola product <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable so unbelievable. i think you know we start looking at that yeah and that's why they they started buying in comp in the companies and you know it's not just coca-cola it's also they have you know fruit drinks and waters and different types of liquid 
beverages that go into the system of yeah. a human. And uh, I think so it's really not how much uh, liquid is in the human, but how much of the liquid going into a human is a Coca-Cola product. Yeah. But so, I mean, I it, it's brilliant. Watch. Yeah. I, I, but I think it's like, it's not necessarily like we're on the same page. Maybe this isn't a debate. The surveys, I just can't see customers getting excited about doing a survey and you know and they don't always know what's right henry ford's famous quote if i asked people what they wanted they would have said faster horses so right. ha have you seen any companies actually doing surveys that customers get excited to do and you don't reward them with hey take get here's five thousand dollars one person will win if you fill out our survey have you seen right. anybody doing this right well i think this the key is is to not create what i call service or survey fatigue and that is uh, where, hey, I just had a real quick interaction. I went in, I bought something, you got my email address, and now you sent me a 10-minute to fill out survey. And, and it, it takes, it took twice as long or three times longer than the actual interaction took. That's that's uh, not good. Yes. That's what doesn't excite me. That's what turns me off. I think it turns customers off. Uh, years ago, I went to take my car in for service with this first time, and I received a, a survey. And I, I'll do a good job because the guy told me how important it was. It was 25 minutes to do that survey. <laughs> oh, and then I took it in a second time. I got the same survey. I said, I'm not filling it out. Sorry, dude. Uh, I hope that doesn't hurt your ratings, but I'm not filling it out. Mm -hmm. And um, now they have a new thing. They send out the survey. They said, we promise it's much shorter than what we used to do. Mm -hmm. I'm still not filling it out. Yeah. You know, So uh, I'm not going to get excited about that. I love that net promoter score question, even though it measures intent versus actual behavior. On a scale of zero to 10, what's the likelihood that you would recommend us okay. to a friend, a colleague, whatever? And the nine or tens are your promoters. The seven or eights are the ones that are like, you know, okay, it's okay, average, satisfactory. You know, we're happy, but we're not elated. By the way, if you get a seven or an eight, that passive person, they may be leaning toward going the other direction, which is your detractors, anything less than a seven. So, uh, you know, you want to get a score that's a nine or a ten. That's going to make you feel real good. But then I want to know why. Mm -hmm. Why did you give me a ten? Yeah. And what's the one thing that you think, or what's one thing we can do that would make your experience even better? Mm -hmm. And if I was anything less than a ten, I want to know what's the one thing I need to do to raise the score by one number. Hey, there's a good open-ended question. Yeah. So I what does it take to go from a nine to a ten? What does it take to go from a seven to an eight or a five to a, a you know, a six? So, uh, by the way, using that information shouldn't be just a measure of how we're doing. It should be, you should be have a way of tracking back to the customer and, and acknowledging, hey, thank you for the nice numbers that you gave us, the nice you know, comments that you made. But if there's anything less than that, hey, thanks for letting us know. What is it that we need to do? Talk to me. Mm -hmm. Let's have a conversation. Follow up with those customers who are detractors that aren't happy. Mm -hmm. You may find out a lot about not only why you didn't do a good job, but what your competitors are doing that's making them want to go there. 100%. And it, it's not, and again, the big point, it's not about satisfaction. Everyone says, oh, you know, we want to make you satisfied. You don't want to be satisfied. You want more than that. I think that's a big thing you see a lot. Uh, yeah, I use that, that word fine. I love the word fine. Well, actually, I don't like the word fine. Fine is an acronym, F-I-N-E. By the way, how's everything? It's fine. <laughs> you, you ask your wife, you know, how long have you guys been married now? Uh, two, two years. Two years. So you get into a little, uh, you know, tiff or you come in tonight and something doesn't seem right. And you say, how is everything? If she says fine, you're in trouble. Good luck. Fine does not mean fine. <laughs> fine in business is an acronym. F stands for, um, you know, 
false smile, <laughs> a fake <laughs> smile. Uh, I stands for insincere feedback. N stands for never coming back. And E is an emotionless response. Fine is not fine. It's not even average or satisfactory. Oh, that's great. That's excellent. All right, I know we got to move along here, but I, I got to go on this because your stories are what, and now uh, we'll put the show notes, but the books have amazing stories. But I asked this question, Shep, in every single business done differently, and it's called Now That's What I Call Service. And I asked a question about something that happened in their life, an amazing customer service experience. And every single person, nothing stands out immediately. Eventually, they find something. It, it blows me away. But you who have been around it so much, and I've heard you share some stories about hotels and things, you know, what story stands out for you that was just like a wow experience? Oh, the one that I'm famous for is telling my taxi cab story. And if anybody wants to go and hear it, uh, the YouTube channel, just go to Shep TV. Dot com and it's the first video and I tell the story about a cab driver and you know he looked like a typical guy maybe he looked even a little disheveled more than usual and if you hear the story you'll understand why but basically picks me up and I think it's going to be oh could, it's the hottest day in the summer and he kind of looks like he's really hot I'm thinking, does the cab even have air conditioning not only did it have air conditioning it was spotlessly clean uh, there was newspapers for me to take with me there were sodas for me to drink they were in a little bucket with ice in them he had a little dish of candy to give me and you know we talked and there's a lot more to the story but the kicker was I landed in, or, you know I leave Dallas I land in st. Louis three days later I'm in my office and I get a thank-you note from the cab driver we exchanged business cards I'm going to think, what cab driver sends a thank you note? I'm going back to this time, every, this guy, every single time I go back to Dallas. I have that thank you note framed on my wall. That's how powerful that story is. It happened. And, and I can tell you hundreds of stories just like this. And, and I love using stories as illustrations because um, it's, you know, that's the way people learn. Yep. You got to reflect, and that's how you learn, 100%. All right, quickly, I want to go to tool time. Uh, what tool do you use or can a company use to help with customer service? Well, uh, real easy, Google. Uh, <laughs> and, and let me tell you where. Uh, Google alerts specifically. Um, it's social media is so big today. People are talking about you, and you need to know that they're talking about you. So you need to have a software setup or a Google alert setup where you find out when people are mentioning you in any channel, in any medium. They may be writing about you in a news article, in a review on Yelp. Uh, they may post something on Twitter. So you need to make sure uh, the internet, I guess, really is the bigger tool, but make sure that you set up alerts to know in real time when customers are saying things about you, good and bad. Good, acknowledge them, thank them, maybe engage in a positive conversation. Bad. Let me tell you, social media makes, and this is my friend Jay Bear. And by the way, if you want a great guest on your show, get Jay Bear. He's amazing. Jay says social media is a spectator sport, meaning when a customer decides to jab a company with a, with a negative comment, the whole world has the opportunity to watch to see how the company deals with it. So you want to deal with it quickly and you want to deal with it. Sometimes you move it offline and then come back and thank the customer. But I would say one of the greatest tools out there is some type of software that will allow you to monitor whenever your name is mentioned in anything related to the internet. Great advice. And join the conversation. Don't be scared of joining. All right, Chip, yep. we'll go to quickly favorites. I'm very intrigued by this. What's your favorite uh, part of your morning routine? Uh, gosh, breakfast, because anything that's related to food, I love. <laughs> okay. All right. So they'll, they'll, all right. But, you know what? Truthfully, my morning routine, three days a week, I get up early in the morning, I go play ice hockey. 
Oh, awesome. You never would have expected yep. that. That's awesome. Yep. So and I you, did this morning right before I came in for our interview today. You don't you don't mess around, Chef. I like that. All right. You're a little hockey, a little breakfast, now a podcast. So if you love food. What's your favorite restaurant? That's a tough favorite one. Favorite restaurant. I'm, I'm a fan of Italian food. Gosh, there's so many great restaurants. Favorite restaurant in St. Louis is probably Annie Gunn's. They serve everything. Steakhouse. Love Italian food. I love Tony's downtown. I love Cafe Napoli out here in Clayton. Wow. Uh, around the world, boy, there's some great re- Beach Bistro, uh, which is a little. Uh, if you if you go into uh, Sarasota, Florida, it's about like a half an hour. I forget what the name of the uh, little island it's on. One of my favorite restaurants in the whole world, uh, Cafe de Bacon oh. in France, south of France. Unbelievable. You wow. know, I get to New York, I have a bunch of favorites. Uh, all you got to do is stand in the middle of an intersection, <laughs> look around, and you can find a favorite. Oh, that's awesome. All right, favorite way to unwind at the end of the day? I know you're not playing hockey again. Uh, boy, you know what? I play guitar. And Ooh. I go home, and uh, my wife and I chat for a while, and we have dinner together, and then I just go in my little room and I jam. Love it. All right. Favorite uh, podcast other than the amazing business radio, which we should definitely listen to. But what else? Yours. <laughs> you, you have won the show now, Shep. I answer that. And I love it. You know what? I, I love your energy. And, and what I love is that, you know, we're just having fun here. And you're getting lots of great information without me providing you a list of questions. You know, when you come on my show... Uh, I'm going to ask you just to give me four or five little points. We may or may not ever get to them. I just want to make sure because let me tell you, there's a lot of guests that I need those points. Yeah. They don't have a personality that allows me to interact uh, like we're doing here. So no, uh, I probably won't need any points from you. But, no, you're you're just amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Chef. All right. I want to finish with the final four here. What's something you've done differently in your life to stand out? Wow. Um Gosh, I don't, you know, it's, what have I done differently in my life to stand out? Uh, my work ethic is probably different than most people, not all people, but I think the work ethic, you know, the hard work that I do and my effort and my ethic uh, is different than most of the people that I know. Yeah, I love that. And you can see it, guys. If you will go to his Twitter, I think 61,000 tweets. You're constantly <laughs> putting things out there, and you're putting great information. So that shows right through. Shep, what makes someone stand out in business and in life? Oh, wow. Um, I think um, I just wrote a new book. Uh, I'm going to get you a copy of this book. It's called Be Amazing or Go Home. And there's a bunch of habits about how to be amazing. It'd be great for you to share with your team yeah. uh, when they're not your, your baseball player team, but your team of people you work with, because these are great. Again, I go back to the word work ethic. They're work ethic type habits. They're the habits that good people have, not just for customer service, although that's a focus, but for any relationship that you have. That's outstanding. So habits. Habits is the key. Good habits. All right. Final two. Uh, what's the best advice you've received? When, uh, well, gosh, there's so much great advice, but let me talk, let's limit it to business. Uh, when I was younger and getting into this business, uh, one of my mentors was a guy named Bud Dietrich. He's since passed away. Uh, Bud would probably be close to 100 now. Um, Bud said to me, if you're going to get into this business, you need to realize, you know, the speaking business, your job isn't doing the speech, it's getting the speech. In every business, you think, oh, we sell, you know, like we're in the, you know, we're in the manufacturing business. Well, you may be in the manufacturing business, but if you don't have customers buying whatever it is you manufacture, you're not in business. So, um, and just saying, you're in the baseball business. If you don't fill those stands, or you know, stands with fans, boy, I should be a poet. If you don't fill those stands with fans, 
you know, you're not going to be around too long. So the job isn't, you know, playing baseball. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, selling the whole, you know, package. So Mm -hmm. uh, that was good advice. The job isn't doing the speech. It's getting the speech. Yeah. It's what business are you in, but what business are you really in? I think that's, that sums it up. Excellent. Finally, Shep, how do you want to be remembered? Um, By name. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, there's a great poem called The Dash. You familiar with that poem? No, I'm not. Oh man, Google it. Okay. And basically, it, you know, you got your born date and your death date, and really, are those two dates important? No. What's important is what happened in the dash. Um, if there's one thing, and it's my bucket list item, there's only one thing on my bucket list. I don't have a bucket list like everyone else. I want to spend more time with my kids and my wife. And at the end, if I made my kids happy and they're good, that's all that matters to me. Mm-hmm. That says it all. Shep, this was outstanding. So glad to have you on The Business Done Differently. You know, what, what do you have got going on? Is there anything you want to let the listeners know about or to connect you with? Well, you know, it just came out within the last month, the new book, uh, Be Amazing or Go Home. Uh, if you go to my website, hiking.com, you can learn about it or just go straight to Amazon. That's probably the easiest way. Kind of excited about that. New book I'm working on is all about convenience and, and eliminating friction. And I have a bunch of great companies already kind of hinted Uber is one of them, but simple companies like my car dealership that brings a car to me every time I need service rather than making me come in ways to eliminate friction. Um, that's why when we went to play our little game, you know, Portage on and all that, I'm going, okay, how can I eliminate friction with a Portage on? You know, but I'm very excited about that book and that project that's coming up. And, you know, I'm always excited about what's next. Uh, every year should be better than the last year. And in most cases, that's, that's the way it's been for me. Outstanding. Guys, follow him on Twitter. Check out his books. They've had a huge, huge impact on our business. And Chef, again, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. Love the show and I can't wait to do it again. Hey guys, thanks so much for your attention. Make sure to check out findyouryellowtux.com. I'm giving it away for free, The Secrets of the Yellow Tux Playbook, The Six Secrets to Stand Out, directly from the book, Find Your Yellow Tux. Hope you grab a copy of Find Your Yellow Tux, How to Be Successful by Standing Out. I appreciate you guys. Until then, stop standing still, start standing out.